0: Welcome to Podcasts, recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Well, we're beginning to wind down from Annie Rick's Millett's book on prosperity. We only have a couple Sundays left. And I want to share something a little bit different to you. You know, so far she's been giving us some practical advice about how we might usher miracles into our lives, how how we might change our thinking to have better outcomes. And in the chapters that I'm covering today, she talks about something a little bit different, something that isn't so intentional. And uh, I think I'd like to kick this off with a story of a client that I had a few years ago. I think it will illustrate it pretty well a gentleman came to me and wanted uh, counseling uh, around anger management. And it was so interesting because I, I'd known the fellow for a couple of years. He'd been coming fairly regularly. And I'm thinking to myself, anger management, like he's the sweetest guy I know. How how does that work? Where Where's the anger? I don't see it. And so when I met him, uh, of course, that was kind of my lead in, you know, are you sure this is work that you need to do? And he said, well, it's the weirdest thing, because it seems like my life is kind of compartmentalized. It's like when I'm at work, I'm an even keel kind of guy and really likable and and people, you know, take to me and there never seems to be much friction. And likewise here at at church, he said, gosh, when I come in on Sunday, it just is a breath of fresh air and my life feels like it's going well. and, And I guess I'm not surprised that you might wonder why I want to talk about anger. He said, but you should see me around the house it's not such a blessing and so we talked about it a little bit you know why should his home life why should that that home environment be so different for him uh, than being at work or being at church and so you know we talked about some well to to make maybe a longer story shorter, it turned out that he'd been abused as a child and that that for him, the home environment was not a safe place. And that even though his his family was loving and and his wife was supportive, uh, it just seemed like no matter what happened, anger would be the result of it when he was in that home environment. And so what I want to talk a little bit about today is the idea of compartmentalization. The idea that it's not just when you're at church that your prayers are answered or that your thoughts are amplified out into the world. It's not just when you're at work that the way you are and the thoughts that you have turn into your experience of the world. God responds to us all the time in our good moments In our sweet moments, and also in our moments of anger and less than. And oftentimes, I suspect we are different at home in our home environment than what we are out in public. I think there's a, a part of us that maybe lets it all hang out at home. Uh, is anyone identifying with that phrase from, you know, earlier decades? And I guess there's nothing wrong with that, but we have to realize that when we are letting it all hang out, we're letting it all hang out for spirit as well. And so the thoughts we have, the things that we do, the way we show up, it doesn't matter whether we're at church or whether we're at work or whether we're at home. God is amplifying those thoughts. God is taking that reality that's going on in your head and saying, okay, she wants more of that. She wants to experience more of that. And whether the that is peace and love or whether the that is anger and division, God has a way of bringing it on. And so, my thought today is we're probably also most unconscious at home, right? When we're out in public, there's that little edge to us, like, should I be saying that? Should I be doing that? When we're at work, aren't there kind of a set of rules of behavior and decorum and and chain of command and all those things? And yet when we're at home, it's kind of like, well, anything goes. So I want to start out today by giving you a couple tips about that home within and how we can maybe... uh, at least monitor it. That would be a good step, right? Awareness is curative. I think some ancient Greek philosopher came up with that one, and someone will tell me later who it was. But awareness is curative That ability that we know something going on is helpful. And so I'll, first of all, I'll share you the trick I did with my anger management person. And it's no more difficult or uh, cumbersome than a rubber band. Actually, I have a scrunchie today and they work just as fine as well. And so what I told him, I said, first of all, we have to notice the thoughts that you're having when you become angry because they're probably almost like an echo of the past. Something is happening now that reminds you of when you were a child and in that abusive situation. And so the first thing we need to do is decouple the present moment from what happened down there. And so as soon as you notice that anger, and and it was funny, as I got to know him a little better, he would fluoresce when he got angry. So it wasn't even that hard for him to recognize. So I would say, when you begin to turn purple, (laughs) when the fluorescence would come on, I want you to take your scrunchie that you're going to have on one hand and put it on the other hand and say... Here you are again, but not for long. Here you are again, but not for long. Because with the awareness of what's going on, you have the choice of a different outcome. So when that behavior crops up, when and, and of course it doesn't have to work just with anger, right? It can work with whatever you're trying to do to stop some kind of a mental or physical habit that no longer suits you. In fact, some of you were here maybe a couple years ago when we did this around complaining, right it's like when we noticed that we were complaining a habit that we didn't want we would switch our our arms to the other side and and i like the phrase here you are again but not for long i bless you but you are not going to be in control of my life now, of course, when you're fluorescing, it's pretty obvious that something's going on. What about those times, though, when thoughts that you wish weren't in your head, you're not even aware that you're having them? Sometimes the negativity that we have in our minds, the the negative beliefs, the thoughts of lack, the thoughts of not good enough, we don't even know that they're going on in your head. My other tip uh, that I often give out is simply to set an alarm on your watch, if you don't wear a watch, on your cell phone for like once an hour. When that goes off, ask yourself, what am I thinking and feeling right now? What am I thinking and feeling right now? I recommend having, you know, a little pocket thing so you can make a log. It's not necessary because I think you'll catch on after a while. What are the predominant kind of thoughts and feelings you're having throughout the day? And then my question is, is that what you want to be thinking and feeling? If you notice that out of the, I don't know, 16 or so hours you're awake, that uh, half of those times you're thinking negatively about yourself and others, is that how you want to be? If you notice that half of those times you're worried about something or worried about something in particular, Is this worry ultimately helpful for you? Is that something you want to be doing? See, this could be a huge aha if you're not even aware that you're having those thoughts or that you're having those thoughts to that degree with that frequency. Because i got to tell you, if you randomly are picking once an hour and you start noticing patterns, it's happening way more than once an hour. (laughs) Way more than once an hour. Then you begin asking yourself, wow, wow, how much of my mental time, and by extension, how much of my time with spirit who's listening in, Do I want to use up on negativity, on lack, on worry? Because you got to know that where our thoughts go, spirit opens the path to receive more of whatever that is. And if it's worry, if it's negativity, if it's lack, if it's longing, if it's sadness, it's simply the invitation for more, even if it's on that unconscious level. So a couple tips. Uh, Remember your scrunchie. Very useful. Rubber bands work fine. Uh, A friend of mine has a ring that he moves from one, one hand to the other. Here you are again, but not for long. I bless you on your way. I can make changes in my thinking. I can make changes in my habit. Right. And what you will notice is over time, the rubber band will switch less and less. Right. Because you're setting an intention that I want to have this activity minimized and your brain will begin to cooperate with it. Okay, so that's part of how we know what's going on in our head, part of the the home that we set within, that kind of activities that we're unaware of when we're in our home environment and where we let everything hang out. The other thing, though, I want to talk about is our home is also who we are. Our home is a good reflection of what's going on in our mind. And to start out, I think I have a joke to talk about this. So the General Service Administration of the U.S. government has experts who visit different agencies and suggest ways to streamline their day-to-day routines. Well, one cer- such expert was asked to visit the Federal Communications Commission. There were mountains of paper and various documents stretching back decades. The workers couldn't even make a, a suggestion as to why some of the oldest records were still taking up space. the G- the experts suggested that they get rid of the clutter. Just removing the clutter would help streamline the activities. To begin with, he suggested that they throw out all correspondence over 10 years old. Well the FCC director loved the idea, but he was concerned about the additional cost. Additional cost? Well, how will we pay for the triplicate copies that are made prior to disposal? <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, some of you might find that familiar either in your working environment or your home environment. And what I want us to think about for a moment. Our home, because that is where we let our hair down, where it is where we make up the rules, is often a very good reflection of what we are thinking and who we are. So if you want to know the thoughts that are going around in your head, if you want to know who you are, just look around at home. Is it orderly? Is it clean? Is it tidy? Is it the way you would want it to be? If it's not the way you want it to be, it's the subtle signal that also your thoughts are probably not the way you would want them to be. And a couple things I want to point out about this. First of all, if your home does tend to be on the cluttered side, or maybe areas near to your home, Who has a garage that a car can't even park in? (laughs) Have you thought that by holding on to things that are no longer useful, you're preventing the flow of good to you? Think about this for a minute. We, uh, I think three Sundays ago, we talked about the miserly heart, and we talked about it in terms of money. We talked about someone who collects money in and is troublesome about releasing it. That it's really stopping the flow of good to you, right? You're not participating in that flow of good. I got to tell you, it's true about stuff as well. If your house, if your garage, if your storage shed is filled to the brim of stuff you haven't used in 10 years, that's 10 years of good that you've been preventing to come to you because you don't have the space for it. You literally... Don't have the space for more love, more life, more joy, more happiness, more health, because you have filled it up with stuff. Now, some of you are saying, "Wait a minute! Stuff is different than love. Stuff is different than joy." Larry, come on! You're you're being uh, you're confabulating things here. You're you're drawing parallels that don't add up. I don't think so. I think many of us are living under a mental crush of the past, symbolized by the stuff that we have collected. And if we do want more love, more life, more joy, more of the good stuff in our lives, we got to make room for it. We got to make physical room for it, and we got to make mental room for it another client that i had many years ago she was entering the dating scene around the age of 55 and she was so nervous about it she'd been single for about 10 years and uh, and was really you know wanting to check out um online dating services and things like that uh, and she had done so for a, a little bit of time and was trying to you know really portray herself as, as single and, and available and attractive and, and the way you want to be. And uh, she wasn't getting any, uh, a- any takers on it, to be honest. Some real duds came to her by way of uh, Match.com. And even in uh, social situations, it seemed like the single men weren't really gravitating towards her. And so we were talking about it. And I, say, and I said to her, well, do you have room for men in your life? And she said, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, I mean, literally and figuratively, do you have room for men in your life? And she said, let's talk more about this. And I said, so where on your schedule, because she was working, a very busy woman, where on your schedule is the room for dating and for being with people? You know, you present to me a very active, focused, driven businesswoman, which is great, but you maybe you're giving off that vibe of like, I've got every second planned. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? You might be kind of like warding people off just a little bit by your sense of My schedule's full. My life is full. And and of course it is, right? You've been living by yourself for the last 10 years. So of course you've filled out your time with girls night out and, you know, doing this with friends and a movie night with best girlfriend. And so we're, you know, you're giving off that vibe of the dance card is full, I think. And then I asked her, I said, also, and not that I'm suggesting you move in a man right away, but but look around your house. Is there any room in the closet in the master bedroom that anyone could hang anything but your stuff? (laughs) Have you physically thought about making room for someone in your life? And she said, oh, my God. There isn't room for anybody. She says, I've been working so hard, there almost isn't even room for me. (laughs) (laughs) But for sure, there isn't room for someone to be a steady, loving influence in my life. And it was a huge aha. A huge aha. So yes, The things that we save, the things from the past, the things that we're not using, the mental fullness of our lives are keeping our good away from us. Let me phrase it another way. Is everyone familiar with the idea of the same old, same old? Someone asks you, how are you doing? And nothing really has changed. So you say, oh, it's just pretty much same old, same old. You are keeping it that way. (laughs) And for a lot of us, that's okay. For a lot of us, our lives are great, and we don't necessarily want a lot of changes into it. But if there is something that you would like to see changed, if there is an improvement that you would like to be made, if you do want more love and more life or more health or more whatever... You do need to make room for it. And when you're sending out the same old, same old vibes, when you're saying, my life is good, right? And you notice the period at the end of that sentence? My life is good. That's all you can expect. Where's the newness? Where's the openness? Our home, our interior home, the home within, needs to have room for new ideas, new points of view, new ways of being, unless we're completely satisfied. So some practical tips. First of all, practical tips in the physical world. Declutter. Make room physically for new things to come to you and it will help free your mind consider putting the car in the garage again it's possible it really is possible consider that the attic it should just be insulation (laughs) right get everything out of the attic you know get it to charity and then you can put three more layers of insulation up there and think of the money you'll save. (laughs) (laughs) The second tip that I have, though, is for decluttering your mind. And again, back to the tips that we had earlier about knowing what's going on there and is that what you want to be going on there. Those are the first steps towards decluttering your mind. And the combination of decluttering your home and decluttering your home within are the keys to greater success. You may not think this is attached to money. (laughs) You are wrong. When there is room for good in your life, it will take the form of good people, good times, good love, and plenty of money to support those things. So I want to close today, uh, of course, with homework. Look around your home. Is it a reflection of your thoughts? And is it a reflection of the way you would like your thoughts to be? So I'm not asking you to take any action. I just want you to notice. Is your home an accurate reflection of your thoughts and beliefs? And is that the way you want it to be? Is that the way you want it to be? So I'm going to close with a a quick quote from the book and a prayer. Millet says, fill your home with blessings. Remove every suggestion of discontent. If there is a room that savors of selfishness or impurity or deadness, in its mental atmosphere, it's time to heal it. You can do it by a half hour of silence in it every day in which you meditate upon the omnipresence of heaven on earth." The richness of your spirit must enter the place where you reside. Even though it be a cellar or a bedroom, it must permeate it. The ease and comfort of a rich consciousness must radiate from your personality. For riches draw riches. I'm going to say that one again. The richness of your mind will draw richness to your home and to your world. For riches draw riches, and prosperity gravitates to the things and the people that are like it. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one goodness. There is only this one thing, and what I know about this thing, this God, this Spirit, is that it is the storehouse of all good all love, all life, all joy, all health, it's all within this one thing called Spirit. And Spirit is so freely giving of itself always. When we have space in our lives for the good, it will come. When we have a willingness to change our thinking towards the good, it will come. When we are silent in our own space, in the own enclave of our heart, and allow it to open even slightly, the good will come. And so I'm grateful for this. I acknowledge my gratitude. Ah, What a blessing it is to be here on planet Earth. What a blessing. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Now is our time of conscious contribution. I invite you to take out your tithe or your gift. Those of you online can go to our website at cslportland.org slash donate. Either way, I invite you, if you care to, to repeat after me. Graciously, I give give. from a place of love, love. Knowing knowing that as I give, so do I richly receive.